We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What's good, everyone? Head over to patreon.com slash veterans minimum to gain access to our Discord, some extra content, and some Patreon exclusives. My guest today is my guy Conrad Hoyt from Culture Hub. You've heard Conrad in the past, most recently during the NBA Finals and that run during the bubble. He came on. We chopped it up. He's a good dude. Always like talking to him. We kind of break down his story and talking about writing and how he's going about putting out articles and putting out content as well as talking about some nfl nba some nba draft stuff and just a really cool conversation man i really enjoyed my conversation with conrad make sure you guys go and check him out and also on the patreon up right now it actually went up before the episode went up but you can hear the segment called six pack where i just have six questions for every guest that i'm going to have on the show starting with Conrad and uh it's pretty cool man I thought long and hard of these questions uh tell me what you guys think if you guys like them and uh yeah sit back relax and congrats Conrad Hoyt from Culture Hub What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas at The Lamb Show is where you can find me at Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. Check us out on Patreon. Send some donations. We won't say no. And it's going to a nice place. My guy. What's good, bro? Conrad Hoyt from Culture Hub. Love those guys over there. Shouts to CJ. Shouts to Serge. Uh, Before we started recording, dude, first of all, what's going on? How are you? Man, what up? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. 
uh, checking out, you know, the new setup. It looks fucking phenomenal. And uh, ready to get rolling, talking about whatever. Yeah, man. It's uh, you, were, you were asking me before we started recording how long it took me to, like, set this all up. And I would say since, like, November 1st, uh, just kind of, dude, it was, I really took my time with setting everything up because I wasn't rushed. Uh, I didn't hire a moving company. Everything was like really small that I had to maneuver. The thing that was a hassle and still there might be some point in this show where like uh, a phone panel might drop because I'm still trying. I just figured out it's like, dude, these stickers, right? You got to like press them onto the foam first and then you put them on the wall. I was putting them on the wall and then putting the foam up. I see. But it's it's cool, man. It's coming along. You know, it's uh, it's it's my place of work. It's gives us the show, I think, a little bit more of legitimacy. Is it is it partly insulation that that the um that the foam is up? You know, I wonder for the sound quality, is that partly why? Because just even aesthetic wise, it's it's enough reason for it right there. Oh, that's exactly why I did it. Because this is a pretty like decent sized room. Yeah. I know when I first moved in here, the guy was like, You're gonna make this your master bedroom. I was like, No, nah, not really. Like in the other room, dude, there's two dressers, a coat rack, and my bed. Right. Like it's this should have been, but when when I when I made this move, it was more so because this is what I envisioned. This is what I wanted. So it was in the beginning, and maybe even last week's episode, there was a bit of an echo, and it was it took a lot of post post production shit that I had to do, which I usually never do because the mics are really good. Yeah, and I had a little bit. I had like a couple. I probably had maybe twelve foam panels above in my crib. Mm-hmm. Besides that, there was never an issue. So that last one, I really had to do some post production shit, which is annoying because like a little bit of a secret bro i hate to edit wow so it's it's uh the less editing i gotta do the better it is for me right well there's no uh there's no better testament to you know how how locked in you are to this than the fact that you turn this into the workroom rather than your master bedroom so props man yeah man it's cool you know like uh you were you were talking a little bit about the artwork and you know the biggie one that i have over my shoulder it's Everything that's in here, it's all shit that relates to me or like I'm into. Hey Arnold's my favorite cartoon, you know, I so I got it. the guys there. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Money Heist. You ever watch Money Heist? That's the one uh, from Spain, right? Yeah. No, but someone was telling me about that recently. It might have been Serge even that I need to get, get onto it. Yo, listen. Conrad, listen. Everyone listening. Look, that's my girl Tokyo. It's, it's my favorite show of all time. Wow. It's legit. I watched it. I watched it first in English, where it's like dubbed over, and I was captivated. And then I watched this like mini documentary on Money Heist, and it was talking about like what a worldwide phenomenon it was. You know, it's the number one show in the world on Netflix. Is it? Yeah, Money Heist, and uh, Neymar was in it. Uh, Benzema tweet tweeted about it Damn. and like the story of it is crazy and dude right off right off rip the first episode they give you their best play they give you their you know third and eight they need hooked. the first down yeah. they're go they're doing the go-to and it just got you hooked from the beginning and then I ended up watching it twice all four parts in uh 10 days I watched it again in Spanish because you can't duplicate like the 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 passion 
from like right. the characters when it's like you know you doing the voiceover on the right, character. Right, right. It's a little bit wonky seeing the mouth not uh, mirror the, the yeah. words. Do right? me a favor, just move the mic a little bit. You can, the, the yeah, mic yeah. moves too, so if you want to like be leaned back and like you could like push it towards you too. You know what I mean? So I bet, it, yeah, it yeah. adjusts. This is why I like it's more like laid back and, and yeah, chilled, yeah. you know. Uh, money heist. I'm on it, then, man. I can't can't say no to that. What uh? What's like your favorite Netflix show you ever watched? Uh, well, I watched Breaking Bad. Um, Breaking Bad is good. Before it was on Netflix, yeah, I watched the last half season live. That was a great experience to say that you you know that you watched it when it was coming out every week. But hmm, favorite Netflix show is tough. It's tough. I'm Narcos? a Sopranos diehard. Oh, Sopranos. I love I love I love Narcos too, but I'm Sopranos diehard. For you know, me, I, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, neck and neck. So this might be a little controversial. I've never really watched The Sopranos in full. Not, I wouldn't say controversial, but it, it might be a little bit surprising. And a lot of people are like, yo, bro, you got to watch yeah, this shit. You got to, especially the fact that you just think about the anti-hero. You know, Sopranos and HBO made that, essentially. Brian Cranston himself has said, there's no, uh, there's no Walter White without Tony Soprano. The things that they were doing in the late 90s uh you know was not was not done before and there's so many layers to it could go we could you know we could and there are other you know podcasts that go off on the sopranos so we could go off on it forever but i would say whenever you get that free time go off go off with it yeah it's a it's a very captivating show i think it was the first show that i remember and i was young man it came out in what 98 99 was it Yep. So I was like seven or eight years old, but I remember my mom watching it and she was like, yo, I gotta watch this. There's no like, and she would call her friends afterwards and be like, yo, did that's you see really all-? cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it's like you have it on social media. You just go to social yep. media and you gotta stay off it if there's a series finale or some shit, but damn straight, dude, tell me a little bit about your um, journey in this whole like so you you how would you describe yourself like are you if i say like you're a writer is that do you feel like that limits you do you feel like that's putting a ceiling on you because me i don't like saying i'm a podcast host Mm -hmm. i also don't like saying i'm an entrepreneur because there's still that and i talked about this on an episode with my buddy mustafa where he's like yo i'm an entrepreneur now and i own it and i was like yo don't you feel like there's a little bit of a all right man you're an entrepreneur He's like, yeah, there still is, but that shouldn't matter. So, like, right. how would you how would you describe the thing that you do? Well, I think if I could just if I could just start off by saying this, I think that's why saying that you're a creative really encapsulates a lot, and that's what that's what we talk about at Culture Hub a lot. It's like creatives, and that means that you can be multifaceted in tons of different things. I don't think necessarily calling myself a writer because you know I think about this stuff definitely limits myself just because every dream that I've had career-wise or professional-wise and obviously I'm at the onset of it always encapsulates writing so I've thought about being an investigative journalist which maybe that still will come up thought about more so covering you know somewhat what I'm doing right now with more culture related things I've thought about just trying to be an NBA writer and I've thought about even wanting to to write more creatively, being an author or my ultimate dream job, I think would be to be a screenwriter, whether that's on the drama or comedy side of things. And so 
for me, that's what I love. And I think sometimes when I think about, well, if I call myself a journalist, does that limit me? Whereas being a writer is almost more of an umbrella than a journalist is. Just because being a writer can go down so many different routes. And that's a great question. That's how I, that's how I think about it. That's a good point, the umbrella. I also think of it like as a tree, right? Where like if you're a writer, you're the whole tree. And then a branch of that tree could be like you're a journalist. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're like, yeah, I'm a writer, but I'm a journalist. I'm a screenwriter. I'm a documentarian. I'm a, all right. this other shit uh, uh, along with that. I asked that because I remember reading a quote one time and it was like, stop telling people that you wrote a book and tell them that you're an author. Because if you tell someone that you wrote a book, that means that was it. But if you tell someone you're an author, it means that you write for a living. That was from Eric Thomas, if you're familiar with E.T., the hip-hop preacher. I'm not. That is a great quote, though. My buddy Mustafa, is uh, he works with them, with uh, Eric Thomas and all those uh, guys over there. So it just makes you think, man. Because like for me, it was weird, right? Because I'm I'm in a genre that is still... I would say like podcast. First of all, how do you feel about podcasting and like the world of podcasts? Because you just got into it as well. Right. Right. I know you guys are doing Advocate Daily. Yeah. Yeah. Advocate Daily uh, is a a podcast that we've started uh, along with a nonprofit at Culture Hub within this nonprofit called The Gathering for Justice, which is, um, you know, we have people on to, as the title suggests, speak about how they advocate daily for, you know, equal justice and... um, that's that's what it is. So recently got into it. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, podcasting picked up, I don't know, I don't know what year you would say, like, oh, eight, maybe it's it was started like on the on the ground floor. And then like, and then maybe, I don't know, 2012 or 13, it really kind of hit hit its uh hit its stride. It's 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 interesting because it almost seems like is so big right now that there's like another untapped tunnel that it could go down and 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 how do you know what that is i mean people obviously incorporate the visual side of it but inherently it is about good quality audio unique creative that people can listen to whenever and you can't watch stuff whenever but you can essentially listen to stuff mostly whenever when you're doing tasks around the house or commuting um and so it's fascinating because it does seem like there's there's somewhere where podcasting can go that we can't even fathom right now. I don't know if you feel a similar way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm the only I would agree with everything that you said besides, I guess, the timeline. So I first heard about podcast, I'd say like 2011. OK. And then. I was drawn to it right away. This is before I even, this podcast was like the last thing on my mind that I was going to be doing. Influencer, content creator, like that was the last thing on my mind. So I would say like 2011, it was when I got note of it. And then I would say 2014, 2015. I mean, we, I started the show in August of 2015. So I always use like the NFL preview show that I do as the unofficial anniversary of of the brand so in 2015 going back to the idea of how do you feel when someone says like how you describe yourself like yo i'm a writer 
you know, in 2015, Conrad, when you would tell people like, I have a podcast, it was like, yo, that's pretty cool, man. That's dope. How many listens do you get? How many downloads? Like, mm-hmm. people didn't even know about that, but they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, what kind of audience do you have? Fast forward to 2020, it's like, oh, you have a podcast? Yeah, of course you do. There's over 1 million Apple podcasts right now. It's a lot. That means if you just, and th- that's like across the board international landscape of podcasting, right. right? So think about it if that was just the United States. There's what, 300? Let's just say there's like 300 million people in the country. Yep. You're talking about one in every 300 people have a podcast? So if you go into a lecture hall of, of 600 kids, it's like two people have a podcast. And it's it's only continuing to grow because it's what you said. It's It's catering to how society is now. We have short attention spans. On demand is booming. Right, we, I mean, we spent the first five to ten minutes talking about Netflix streaming yeah. on demand. I could watch it. You know, I'll, I'll pause this comedy special. I'll get back to it. It'll pick up right where it left off. So, but the 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 roadmap to podcasting, the 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 incline and the ascension of podcasting, it takes large spikes every year. Mm. And I think when you see people like. The Ringer getting sold to Spotify. You see what Rogan did. It's like, bro, there's like... Look, I also mentioned probably two of the five biggest brands in podcasting. Yeah. But there's money to be made. You know, like, I'm starting to generate some money. It's not so much like I can live off of it, but it's striving to it. You know, Mm -hmm. I have this pretty cool, dope spot that I could stay motivated and inspired and get creative because of the show. So... You know, Blue Wire, who I'm a part of, they're doing like awesome shit and they're connecting and it's like, it's bringing more and more credibility. But I think with podcasts, there needs to be what you said. Like one of the early lessons I got in it just from listening to people was like, well, there's at the time there was 800,000 podcasts. This is like 2017. I went to a live podcast and I just asked like the generic, like, what advice would you give to someone, man? And the guy was just like, yo, you got to be different. You got to be unique because there's so many. So right. like, why should people listen to you? Right, right. Yeah, you mentioned the the short attention span. The, uh, another cool thing about it is that, you know, for, for all the perils of just just life right now, society and the fact that we have short attention spans and, and kind of all the negative implications of that, it is somewhat warming to know that People are just trying to soak up knowledge. That's why people are, are listening to podcasts. I know when I hop on a podcast such as such as Veterans Minimum, I wanna I wanna learn about some sports that that I didn't know before or something of the week that I that I missed. And so I think that's that's a really um cool aspect of it. But sure, I mean in podcasting as in anything on the come up or just or just um anything in general. You got to be unique. Yeah, I think that's the biggest that's the biggest tip or advice that I would give to someone. And it's something that, you know, we always tend to give out better advice than we listen to that advice. You know, like I feel like there's a lot of times that I tell I remember I was having a conversation with my buddy Steven and he's in he's in music. He's a DJ. He's you know, he's with a record label and whatnot. And they're, they're pretty legitimate, you know. And uh, one time he just hit me up and was like, yo, man, I feel like 
mad uninspired and shit like fuck this i'm ready to give up and then i gave him advice then a couple months later i hit him up with the same complaints he's like yo bro remember when you called me on the phone i was like yeah he's like dude why don't you just listen to that that's pretty beautiful dude that's beautiful it's true though right we always tend to give out better advice than listening to our own because i I also think like for me it's like if I do listen to my own advice, am I a narcissist? Am I crazy? Like, am I just like, am I feeding my ego? Well, you're taking, you're taking, you know, you mentioned that you don't listen to much music and that you're always listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Whether it's consciously or subconsciously, you're taking knowledge and advice from the stuff you're listening to. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it the other day. We all hit our highs and lows. It's impossible to be at a high all the time. And it doesn't even have to be a high where you're like, where you're like jumping up and down because I don't know, you're about to go on a date with a girl or like something that would just elicit such like a positive reaction. But like, you know, everything fluctuates. So when you're kind of on that low point, the fact that you have a friend to reach out to that kind of just like, it's like, yo, like, it's like, it's like the pep talk that you can imagine like a sitcom. Like, like I, I'm thinking of like new girl when, when they're talking to, uh, when they just want a pep talk, like, it's like your coach. It's like, remember who you are and as in how your friend talked to you, like, remember what you told me that came from you. So that means that that's inside you. And that just means you have to channel that. No, that's a good point, man. And I I just feel like we're always better at giving out advice than we are at like listening to our own. And you're right about the, the idea of just, you know, the highs and the lows. And that's something I definitely want to ask you about because you're in content creating I'm always, there's a, one thing I like to do with the show is I like bringing people on who I am a fan of, I'm interested in their work and their craft, and I'm curious about their thought process. And you're a creative, you're a writer. When you go and you do an interview, how do you go about it? Are you a, I'm going to jot down these questions? Are you a bullet points guy? Are you a off the top of the head? I follow the conversation and... I'll piggyback off. Oh, yo, you know what? This this girl just said a dope talking point that I didn't think of. Like, how do you go about that thought process? Because I, one, I, I don't read many articles, but I'm a fan of Culture Hub and I'm a fan of your work because you guys have given me your time. You guys have done a story on me. You guys have, I mean, fuck CJ, the second time I met him like invited me to an art show. And then, sorry, the first time I met him, he's like, yo, bro, you want to pull up? And then uh, the the second time I hit him up, I was like, yo, man, do you think I could borrow like that? Or when you guys used to have that office space, yeah. can I borrow like a, he's like, yeah, man, say less, like no problem. It's like, fuck, man, that's like awesome. You know, like not mm-hmm. many people do that. So to bring it back to you, how do you go about your thought process when you're about to do an interview? Because you, you've interviewed a, a wide variety of people from what right, I've seen. Right. Man, it really depends on, you know, how much how much interest I have in it. Which is not to say that I ever approach it in a lazy manner, but you know, uh, every time I do I do my research, I jot down questions, and then if it leads a certain way, then you know I go off script, and I and I usually come back to that script just because it's kind of nailing points that I want to get. Like mm-hmm. oftentimes. A good tie up to an article and especially us at Coach Hub and CJ's told me this before, like 
oftentimes just like what advice would you have for someone else trying to get started in your field because like i mentioned before oftentimes we're interviewing creatives and we're and we're tailoring our articles and we're tailoring our content towards creatives and so if i'm especially inspired you know i will i will not be be shy to like to give a to give a chuckle and just like show kind of my admiration and uh I mean, for sure, when I'll, I'll go off script just by like, yo, that was crazy. Like, can you can you touch more on that? Because because oftentimes, like, you don't have to lead them down a path. You can either pause, and so like oftentimes pausing will just have them go off because they don't want to hear the silence, and because that extra second gives them a time that the wheels start turning. Um, and also, if you kind of just like just ask them a, a brief, delicate question. It just kind of gives them, gives them the freedom to take it where they want to, because because people want to talk about about their craft and their and their inspiration and what and doing what they love. Do you ever find that the person you're interviewing gets more excited when you don't ask them about their craft because they've been down that rabbit hole so many times? Mm. And you know, like. How often can you ask someone like, oh, you know, how well would you think of that game you had? You know, like if you're interviewing an athlete, whereas right. like, yo, bro, would, would you think of that new movie or some shit? If you know, like they're into Marvel, they're like, yo, would you think right. of Endgame? And then they're like, yo, you know what? I fucking love that. Right. No, that's a great. That's a great question. Honestly, I have not really thought about that. I feel like, you know, that that possibly is, is how I need to start approaching approaching the the uh the certain interview it i've noticed that i've gotten them to sort of break down that wall mm. because they they've answered the same questions again going right. back to like being unique right like how do you stand out and i remember when through you guys i connected with ariani celesti the ufc right. chick the ufc ring girl and i remember asking her like yo what are your dms like and she just like went off on a tangent. She's like, "Oh my god, you have no idea." And it's like that kind of broke down her character. She was that cool. Is, she was awesome. Question. But it's like you know, we start. You start off with I. This is how I do it, right? So like, I never write anything down. The only time I did was when I had the Narcos DEA agents because that's like historical context and yeah. facts, and I don't want to say anything too inappropriate. And right. I, and you know, from the beginning before we started recording, I always ask my guests. I'm like, "Yo, look, is there anything you don't want me to ask you?" Because I'm not in the gotcha business. Like, I think that's lame, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to set someone up so I can look smarter than them. I'm, I always joke around. I'm like, yo, I'm an idiot. I just, like, work really hard. You know what I mean? And I'm curious. Yeah. You know? So, I say that in a laughing matter. But I, I just, I don't want to set you up to, like, oh, I got you, bro. You know? Like, I think that's right. corny. So, I've noticed when I interview people. I never have anything down. Like even with you, bro, and like you're a friend of mine now. We've we've talked a bunch of times. We've DM'd each other and shit, and and I've had you on the show multiple times. You were like, "Yo, what are we talking about?" And you know, we're gonna get to some of the stuff we talked about. But I mean, how much of this conversation now, twenty five minutes in, did we really plan for? Not much. Five percent. Five percent. Yeah, because it's just there's camaraderie there's and obviously it's easier when you're doing something with someone that you know right there's a level of comfort you know eventually like people that i've interviewed multiple times it's like well with every interview it's more comfortable it's more like right. there's a level of interest that you can't duplicate right it, you know it definitely 
It definitely depends on the type of person too. And then, and then again, you may never know going in. I mean, you said Ariana Celeste and, and, um, to get her to break down that wall, you asked how her DMs are. I mean, that's brilliant. It's for, for someone, especially who, I don't know, she's, she's probably busy and just the type of person she is asking her something that she wouldn't be asked or that allows her to kind of like have a exa exasperated chuckle. Like that was genius. If it's someone in a more corporate setting, it may not work, but at the same time, like, then again, that could get them to break down the wall. So I think that's that's a great point, and that's why you're good at what you do. Think about I, things like that. I was, uh, it, it all goes back to like being unique. Yeah. I was in a conference call with some uh, company. I'm not going to mention any names because I might work with them one day, but, um, you know, doing like a conference call, and I was just like, yeah, like, uh, I kind of got to do things my own way to stand out. Like, I didn't go to school for journalism. I didn't do broadcasting. I didn't do communication. Like, I took a public speaking course because it was like a gen ed and you had yeah. to take one. But it's like there's ways to, like, get creative and, and, and be unique. When you put together an article, because, dude, I could barely tweet properly. For me <laughs> to have to write something, it's like I'm, I'm not going to do it. Like, I could watch all the Gary V videos and it's like, yo, you should do writing content as well. It's like, nah, bro, I'm not going to do it. Is it lazy? Not yeah, probably. But it's just not for me. Like, I know what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm comfortable at. You know, I had, I always tell this story, like 2018, I had braces on, bro. I'm turning 30 in March. It means that 27, 28, I had braces on. But now it's like, there's not a camera that I see that I'm not myself and more comfortable. Yeah. It was more of an insecurity that I took care of. Right. So... When you when you put together an article, like, when do you know that it's good? How do you know that it's good? How long does it take you to put like a, just like a standard article that you publish? So we'll say it's not a feature. It's not with, uh, off an interview of someone. No, nah, it's just like you're covering the new, the new fours that are coming out. Right. The new Jordan fours or some shit. Man, uh, it's gotten to the point where I can comfortably write it in, in 30 minutes and then you know a little bit editing formatting and then and then getting it to be published will will take a little bit longer but it's just it's just i've been writing so much and so consistently for for a while now and especially to the degree that i am now for over a year i feel comfortable writing it in 30 minutes and it's almost like i i understand inherently that if i took more time that wouldn't make it better it's, you know, you know, with, with a subject that's kind of like, is what it is. Like, obviously if I, something that I don't know a ton about or something that's really in depth, if I was to go into politics, I'm going to take longer, but I can, I can write it in a, in a way that I know it's coming, sh that it's coming straight from my head, quick and quick and authentic. Um, and I think the other the other part of the question you asked is just how do I how do I know if it's good? You know, I try to put my own voice in there, especially if it's not like if it's not an article on someone else, because like, you know, it's it's not all about me. I had to understand that, like, you know, I'm not I'm not writing so that I shouldn't say I'm not writing so that like people people discover me, but I'm not writing because because I'm conceited or because I'm worried about myself and just and just writing in a way that that I feel comfortable with and that I feel 
is true to myself. Can I help you describe that a little bit? Because I'm in the yeah. same boat. I think when you do that, it's more that you want to put out interesting than you want to put out for yourself. Right. And that's something that's really helped me in this field where there's, there's podcasts I do that are for me. Like the Narcos thing was for me. I've always been fascinated by it. I've always been, uh, I don't want to say the L word, but I've always been like super intrigued by the life of Pablo Escobar yeah. and the Narcos culture. Like, dude, they were running the world. Like right. th three, Javier Pena, one of the DH agents said four of every five lines of cocaine was from Pablo Escobar. Mind you, I've never done any drug in my life. Right. So it's like completely weird that like I'm not a weed head. I'm not a yeah. I'm not a coke head. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like always been fascinated by that, you know, and I also oh, love crazy. Stuff. I love I love the Colombian culture. Like Colombia is like one of the places I would love to visit. Um, we'll, we'll save my love for Colombian women for another podcast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's like that podcast was for me. I made it interesting so that my audience could get something out of right. it. But like with the writing, it's like you want to put forward something that's like dope and exactly. to get people to come back. Exactly. Thank you for helping me describe that. Yeah. I mean, the other day I hit my friend up who has created a clothing line where he where he manufactures it in Malawi, in Africa. And he has created tailoring jobs there and he's created, you know, uniforms for kids in school out there. And so for a poor country and poor city that it is, uh, Mizuzu, he has, he has done a ton and really does right now. Like he's getting the, the, the wheels turning. So I hit him up and I'm like, bro, like, I love what you do. Not only do I, not only am I interested in it, but I know that other people would be, and that I know that it fits our audience of of um, creatives and of you know f sustainability and advocacy and altruism and so that's one of the most recent features I wrote and you know it wasn't obviously it wasn't all about me this is my friend but I didn't have to put myself into the piece to get something out of it here comes the money here we go money talks even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever before. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash blue wire. This is their best offer available. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
Football is back in full swing. Though you may not be at a game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. How do you how do you deal with feedback from social media? Because one thing that I've noticed is. Nowadays, there's there's instant gratification and instant criticism the moment something goes out. Mm. And in the past, it's like, all right, I got to wait until the six o'clock news to hear what happened. Now, like breaking news. Have, I mean, shit, we haven't looked at our phones in 40 minutes. Who knows if someone got traded, someone pulled a hamstring, someone got caught in a sex scandal. Like, you just don't well, know. That's how quick it is. Yeah. So. You put out an article, like, how do you deal with, and and I don't know, I don't know if you, because I'm a fan of your stuff, and I'm not just saying it because, like, obviously I've gotten to know you, so is there a personal bias? There might be. Like, I want to see you thrive and succeed because, like, the relationship that us two have been able to sort of put together in the last year, I would say. How do you deal with that? Because there is some people that, you know, if you get a hundred comments and ninety nine of them are dope, like yo, Conrad, that article was sick, man. It made my weekend. Oh my god, I didn't know about this clothing company. Right. And then you get that one dude, you get fucking Teddy from wherever, and he's like, Yo, fuck that article, it sucked. Right. There's just something that like that is gonna even though it's ninety nine out of a hundred, it's like that one thing is gonna really like sit bad with you so right. how do you go about dealing with something like that well you know there's probably there's there's always going to be people that want to see you fail i have not reached a level where i'm getting you know constant you know where i have constant followers or even on my articles just like comments after comments after comments i remember specifically one time writing and you know obviously it's more opinion based and it was more of like a satire mocking piece of the orange guy just got voted out of office and it's very like this this woman replied and just she was like kind of coming to my neck and it was jarring at first like it, it wasn't it wasn't so bad where I know if I was younger I would have seen that and been like I would have been shook I would have would have felt some type of way just because you know it's even whether it's whether it's online or in person when there's conflict we talked about this earlier off the, off off the mic like when there's conflict it, it makes me it makes me feel some type of way just because it's like you you that that hate is is palpable and you can you can feel that and so it kind of took me a minute because this is the first time that I was like damn like she feels that she feels that strongly about that and really dislikes me I don't even remember specifically what she said which which kind of goes to the point that like I've I felt growth in that lane and so as I continue to grow hopefully and gain a larger following or or whatever that would mean there's something to learn that like there's going to be people that support you there's going to be people that disagree with you and then even more so there's going to be people that want to see you fail because of their own insecurities which drives everything 
Well, I, I started kind of giggling because, I mean, fuck, that's a hell of a topic you picked to write about. Like that, I mean, politics just in general is polarizing. So it was, I mean, look, I, I'm going to say this four times. It's very important. Conrad, it's very important for people to understand this about me. If this is the, the totem pole of politics, this is the bottom, this is like the high. My level of interest is like at the core of the earth. <laughs> That's just my thing. Yeah. I know Republicans and Democrats. No one has ever heard me talk politics on here. This is as far as it'll go. Right. I don't know dick about it. It's just not my thing Honestly. from a young age. I just know people get outraged. Regardless, it's a 50-50 split. Like people are gonna like it or, or dislike it, right. no matter who it is, right? So to bring it back to your conversation, it's like, yeah, dude, you picked a hell of a topic. That's it's a polarizing topic, right? Politics, religion, um, spouses. Yeah. Sports even. Sports too. Yeah, of course, dude. Like shit. Me me, the worst criticism I get is like, oh, nice fucking pick, dude. <laughs> you know, especially when like I do like daily fantasy or I do sports betting. It's like, all right, like Is it because you shit on their team? <laughs> yeah, so that's another thing, right? Oh thank you for bringing that up. I can't tell you how many times I get this reaction. This interaction. Ready? Yo, man, big fan. Thanks, dude. I love what you're doing with the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. What do you think of the Broncos this year? I'll give them seven legitimate reasons. Well, you know, your right. two offensive tackles opted out. Your quarterback only played five games. I'm a little worried about the backfield dynamic. I think your defense is a little weak. You just lost Von Miller. Chubb is uncertain. Fuck you, bro. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's fucking that's, great. That's you in the sports industry, yeah. dude. If, right. you're, if you're someone who's in fantasy football, someone asks you like, yo, should I start this person or that person? God forbid you give them the wrong play. They're going to put, right. put your head on a stick. Right. Man. Well, see, the thing is, at least, as long as you've given them like rational reasons, I mean, you, I don't think they, I mean, obviously they don't have a reason to complain after. It's not like, it's one thing that people that kind of just are like dismissive. Like if I ask like. And there's and there's sports guys that'll like be covering all thirty teams or all teams with a chance in the playoff hunt, and they'll be like, and they'll just uh, something like, uh, do the Giants have a chance of winning the season? Oh, we're not gonna get into that. Like they fucking suck, you know. And then and then if you're a fan, like all right, like you can be a little bit upset because I wanted to hear what your what your thoughts on that were. But the fact that you give that you give someone you know good good reasoning, especially especially in football, all the different all the different layers of it that if your offensive line ain't good, you don't see them succeeding. Mm -hmm. That's the time where it's like, man, you're really going to get angry at me. So it's just interesting to hear you say that because, because you gave them, I mean, I'm, I'm sure for, I'm sure almost all the time you're giving them, you know, evidence as to, as to why you are feeling this way and picking that way. Well, it's fan is short for fanatic. And people do have goggles for their team. A lot of people do see it like that. You yeah. know, like I got one of my buddies. He like wants to get a Frank Nilakina tattoo, it seems like. It's like, dude won't give up on Frank. Shouts to my guy Impy. He's just like, he'll never give up on him. So that's just, but but that's like the sports world, right? Like, I feel as if I've never been someone to go on Twitter and be like, yo, fuck you and your take, man. It's like, dude, it's to bring it back to sports betting, right? 55% is what professional betters strive for. 55%, bro. That's failing Dang. in public schools. 
Yeah. Like you don't you don't advance to the next year, but that's what they strive for. So it's you're trying to be perfect in an imperfect world. You can't always give out the good takes. And I, me personally, no one is makes a joke out of shit more than I do when it comes to like, oh, so what about that fucking Tampa Bay game last week, right? And I had Tampa Bay as one of my picks, and they got Did you? fucking shellacked. Yeah, but what was like, the line? Were they even minus? They were they were a three point favorite. You know, and they're playing at home, prime time. Yeah. Should have been a bounce back after laying an egg against the Giants, yeah. sort of, even though they won. Right, right. It did seem like it was a look ahead game, the Giants, where it's it's a lot more noticeable in sports betting, and and sports betting has really helped me become a better sports fan as far as like breaking it down. Because look, athletes are humans in the end of the day. So when you're when you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, you're playing Monday Night Football against the New York Giants, who have won one win, and you're like, ah. Oh, Man, you know, we could bring our C-plus game and we could win. Because next week, we got the Saints in yeah. division. They beat us once. This has, like, playoff implication. This this has home field implications versus being a wild card, winning your division versus going on the road. So in sports betting, that's called a trap game. That's called a look-ahead game. And you saw it with the Bucs. That first half, they looked abysmal. You mm-hmm. saw the tweets. It's like, oh, the, the Belichick's a genius. He got rid of Brady. You see all that dumb shit. And then to see what happened with Tampa Bay on, on Sunday, you're like, oh, man. you know. But there's a lot of things that get factored in. You know, A couple of weeks ago, Conrad, I had my buddy Taryn on, and we're talking. And I was like, yo, there's something inside me that doesn't want to give up on the Saints. Mm. You know, like there's just – and this was maybe two weeks ago, you know, it, like they had just narrowly beaten the Bears. It's like, man, you know, you got to take everything into consideration. They've added some new pieces to their defense. They finally got Michael Thomas back, who right. Michael Thomas might be one of the four or five most important offensive pieces that aren't quarterbacks in right. the league. I saw you talking about George Kittle, by the way. Yeah, and it's like, you know, Michael Thomas, Sanders, Kamara, Cook, Trey Con. Traquan Smith, Murray, the offensive line, Breeze, they had played a quarter and a half together this year. So context is everything, especially when you're looking at it in sports because, again, it's, oh, how did this team lose to that team? Well, they lost their running back, wide receiver, and three offensive linemen in the first drive. It's like, oh, okay, that's why. Right. So, like, odd in context, I think it really kind of explains the whole story, in my opinion. So, yeah, man, I really think that adding context to things really explains the whole, whether it's a narrative or a false narrative that people try to create, especially in media. You know, like I think we got the NBA draft in about a week, right? And there's there's a lot of things that are going on in the NBA draft. Like one big talking point is LaMelo Ball. Like what do you make of LaMelo? LaMelo left and went Truth. and played professionally overseas. And that's sort of, have you noticed that this has become the norm now? Like, no, I wouldn't say the norm. Like, it's still the college basketball route. But a lot of dudes want to get paid right away. Yeah. And I've noticed that a lot of guys like RJ Hampton was a big prospect that went away. Right. And and you've seen it. Like, the OG to this was really Brandon Jennings, right? Like, Brandon Jennings was the first one to really do it. And then when he came to the league, he came in and was kind of like, did he win rookie of the year or was he in the contention? I, he was good. He was, he was good with the Bucks early. What, did he play in China for a year before he came to the league or something? I don't know if it was China, but him. I know he played overseas. Okay. And I know that he was a guy who, you know, a top college recruit. Right. And was just like, yo, I want to get paid, bro. Yeah. And that Especially, was. 
Go man, on. Man, the social media age, you don't need to be you don't need to be on on national television playing for Kentucky, right? Like I'm like, you know, scouts are gonna come see me and I'm gonna gas myself up with my agent on social media, so I don't need that and I'm gonna get paid in the process. That's that's like one of the, the pluses for a kid who is you know from like weber state like damian lillard right like damian lillard first of all i just naturally always gravitate to that guy he's damian great, dude. no 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 uh, yeah he is my favorite basketball player right now but also i mean that guy from a small program four year two three four year three four year he's a grizzled vet kind of mm-hmm. coming in polished his his ceiling is kind of unknown, but you know, like, all right, you know what? Like Damian Lillard from day one, you're like, yo, this guy's going to be a 10 plus year guy. Yeah. Like whether he was going to be with the Blazers or not, like I didn't, I didn't see this, but I like a guy who comes from a small program, doesn't have four or five star recruits around him, plays with a chip on his shoulder, like the small town, uh, small school guy. Mm-hmm. Dude, you look at the landscape of whether it's the NFL or the NBA, a lot of small town again i say small town small school guys are thriving dude and i think one reason and tell me how you feel about this i think it's a combination of being undersold being um underrated underappreciated coming into the league where you know you're on espn plus you're not like the national televised game you're not playing duke you're not playing unc you're in like the MAC conference or the Sun Belt or whatever right. other fucking conference there is. So is is there some truth to that? Do you agree with that sentiment of like if I if I have a Kentucky guy and I have a dude from Weber State and I kind of grade him the same? Yo, there's a part of me that goes to the guy with Weber State because there, there's more of a dog in him than right. there is in the Kentucky guy who was the top recruit. His shit didn't stink his whole life. It's... There's there's something about that where am I making sense? Do you, do you see where sense. I'm going with this, dude? Especially if they like, hate to bring him up saying that that he he may fail, but especially the guys that are still gonna get picked top three and they played three games, like whatever Michael Porter Jr. wasn't taken third but fourteenth or something. Um, well, to be fair though, James he, Wiseman though. Yeah, yeah, to yeah Wiseman coming out this year, but to be fair, like Porter. He dropped because of the uncertainty of his injury. Is the injury history where like Kyrie won number one and he played eleven games. That's true. But even Kyrie, Kyrie had like the foot injury, and now you look at Kyrie and Kyrie Irving is a guy who year in year out, it's like, well, got a pencil him in for sixty eight games as opposed to eighty two. Because exactly, he's got some injury concerns. That's, that's just his 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 being. You know, that's just his right. thing. So continue though, because I like yeah. what you were saying about that. I will. I will say as to what you said. That's why this draft is so fascinating because obviously there's no consensus best player. There's no Zion out of this draft. Even if even if the consensus is Lamelo, Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, top three, it wouldn't be a huge shock if another guy is picked in that top three. It's not like where you almost are sure it's Zion, John Morant, and. Um, and then there's the fuck yeah you couldn't mention R J Barrett make me feel better about things with the Knicks R J Barrett <laughs> dude I mean we get into the Knicks I, I I don't think I don't think he fails that it's on him I mean they got to get some spacing on that team as he's not a shooter well there's that's that's a big issue that a lot of 
young guys have when they come into the league. I was talking about this recently on an episode where it's dope that you're the number one pick, Conrad. It's amazing. You know, lifelong dream. But you're in the NFL and you go number one. Unless there's a wild trade up, you're going to the worst team of the league. Right. You look at Joe Burrow. Like one reason why Joe Burrow is surpassing my expectations, not because of him. I did have some concerns going back to the big school versus small school thing. I'm a fan of Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, even Pat Mahomes, where like Mm. you went to Texas Tech, you went to Purdue, you went to Boston College, you didn't go to Clemson. Right. You didn't go to Alabama. Like one reason why I think Alabama quarterbacks don't pan out until two is because you're Greg McElroy, you're throwing to Julio Jones. You're you know, you're 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 Blake Sims, you're Smith or Blake Sims, I think his name was. You're the Alabama quarterback. You're throwing to Amari Cooper. You definitely got the best line in front of yeah, you. Yeah, bro. You have first round picks everywhere you look across <laughs> the board. So my concern was just watch your chair. I don't want that thing to fall on your head. Um my concern was, yeah, just move your chair up because you're, oh, oh, like going down. It's my fault, bro. No, you're good, man. Just straighten that up a little bit. There we go. Because right. listen, there's, now, there's no insurance covering if that falls on your noggin, bro. Don't come <laughs> suing. There ain't much for you to take. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> but uh, it's, it goes back to like the talent around you, bro. So like when you're, when you're a high draft pick, going back to RJ Barrett, and I, I think that's a hell of a point because you look at it with the Jets, right, with Sam Darnold. Like Sam Darnold. They're probably going to move off from him, and I don't think that's his fault, bro. I no. just think it's a bad situation that you've been dealt, a bad right. hand you've been dealt. So some of these guys coming in, where do, where do you think – I think whoever goes number two to Golden State, like there's not a better situation you could go to. No, there's not. I, I A lot of these teams are in very precarious positions. I'd say – if I was a prospect and I get drafted to Atlanta, I'd be excited. Mm. I would say if I get drafted to Cleveland, I would not be as excited. It's a tough part too, like you said. I mean, NFL, NBA, there's there's the um, the similarities. But like you said, I mean, besides for these rare occasions such as Golden State picking two just because they had one down year or Spurs picking number one just because they had one down year or Lakers picking uh, number one and got James Worthy just because they – they they had some they got some crazy deal I forget that how that material well even even like if you go all the way back to the Celtics won the, the championship and then they had the number two pick they take Len Bias right exactly you know and well yeah that's the thing Len Bias would have prolonged that prime right because the, the the Celtics uh, faltered out kind of the end of the eighties and the reason the Lakers were able to kind of continue is because they got that third guy and worthy so it's like. The tragedy of what happened to Len Bias, um, you know, shows kind of the the dichotomy between those two, the two most historic franchises in the NBA. You want to hear something crazy? Len Bias and and his story is the reason why I'll never do uh, any drugs like that. Wow! So, like, elaborate if you, if you could, yeah, like so he he, he he got drafted and then he went out and he did cocaine. I know that's like an extreme drug that I'm mentioning right now, but. And then he ended up like his heart couldn't take it and he passed away. So it's like, I'm more, I'm, I've am i never been an anti-weed guy. I've never smoked weed. Yeah. But like, I've never been like, when I was younger, I used to be. But as I've gotten older and especially when you look at like the landscape of professional athletes, when they're like, yo, let me fucking roll one up as opposed to taking fucking Vicodin. 
from pain right, and right. shit. You know what I mean? So for there's pain like pain and anxiety. Yeah. So for me, like Len Bias, for people that don't know the story, is you know he was supposed to be like the next big thing. Like he was a top pro, he was a hot prospect. He was going to the Celtics. So right away, you're going to a model organization. Mm-hmm. You're going to a franchise that it's it's like the cream of the crop. To this day, they they've always like they've had some down years. But, like, their down years, they're still fighting for an eighth seed. Like, it's yeah, not exactly. down years like the Knicks. Like, they rebuild quickly. Yeah, yeah. They have good ownership. They have a good front office. Now they got the head coach, and they got some young pieces. But, yeah, man, Len Bias is one of the, the, the reasons why. I'm like, not only is it not a thought in my head, but, like, if it was, it, it was, it was someone that I would always see. And, like, even with, like, the weed thing, I would see some kids that were, like, super talented dudes in sports that were older than me like the older kids right. in my neighborhood four or five years older they'd be like yo this dude was the best basketball player in the state and then it's like yo what happened you know so that was just something with me that like just never it never was appealing to me yeah. it was never you know i also come from a family where both my parents smoke cigarettes right and like when i was a young age my clothes would smell and mm. i'd be 10 11 years old going into class and it was just like a negative thing that kind of right. irked me I feel you. This this draft is just fascinating because the Timberwolves and the Warriors' top two picks have both made their picks available. I think they both want to trade down. If you're the T-Wolves, you've got Russell and Towns, two great young stars. But and you, you have, have some veterans. You in have there. the idea of that Sports Illustrated cover, too. What do you mean? Towns, Russell, and Devontae, uh, Devin Booker. Yeah, like that's that's Suns their click. Suns ain't trading Booker though, as much as people want to talk about that. Where where is chance. where's Booker to you as far as like top players in the league? Do you think he's a good stats, bad team guy? Do you think he's only flourishing because he's on a bad team? Like, can he be? No, I think he's the real deal. That's that, kind of where I'm at. That eight zero run. Yeah, look, they got Cameron Johnson out of UNC. I'm a huge UNC fan. This guy's, a, this guy's a rookie, came in as a 22-year-old, which is also something I want to talk about. We, we talked about these kind of older guys, these four-year who come into the league. So you know that their floor is at least going to be good. But back to the Suns, man, I mean, first off, one of, the, one of the worst organizations when he entered, he was picked like 12th, so he was not expected to be what he is. They could not give him a point guard for years and mm. years. I mean, even like when they had Bledsoe, you know, we, we see Bledsoe – like so many postseasons in a row now is not the real deal and they took so many years to get booker an actual point guard who could get him the ball in his spot one year they tried to have booker run the point he's not like that he's a he's a clay thompson who's better with the ball and and worse on defense and you you give him rubio they got they got bridges and and johnson bridges is a great Swiss Army Knife defender, pretty good shooter, Cam Johnson at the four, stretch four, and DeAndre Aiden, if if he's not gonna if he's not gonna miss twenty-five games, they would have made the playoffs. So really excited to see them this year. I don't know if you saw the news that they're exploring trading for Paul, Chris Paul. Uh I think Devin Booker's the real deal. I don't know if you saw also pictures of him on the Kardashian Island. <laughs> That, you know, people don't want to talk about the curse. Tristan Thompson did win a ring, so that would go against that. But, no, I think he's a real deal. I think he is top 15 players. And without a doubt, 
after what I just saw this past postseason, I'm taking him over Paul George. Not a chance. I don't care if Paul George finished top three in MVP voting just two years ago now. I'm taking Devin Booker. That game winner he had against the Clippers, whatever. It's the bubble. Dude, there's nothing this guy can't do on offense. There's no shot he can't make. Is there another player like him? I, I compared him to Klay Thompson a little bit, but as a two-guard with his height, his shot, his repertoire, and what's in his bag, the, the hezzy moves, the, the pull-up. It's not to say he's the best offensive player, because I don't think that's true, but I don't think there's anybody who is 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 very similar to him. The only guy I could think of, but I would say Booker has a better offensive game, would be C.J. McCollum. Mm. Yeah, because McCollum can get to his spot in the mid-range. And, and McCollum, I think, on a different team where Dame wasn't such a big... Though I do think that they complement each other great. They do. McCollum and Dame. Like, C.J. McCollum has been in, like, fantasy... Like fantasy dream scenario trades for like four years now. Right. It's like, bro, why do we want to split them up? Like they're awesome right. together. I agree with you. I don't know what it is with Paul George, but it's it's something that's very very concerning. Yeah, dude, what is it? What is it with Paul George? What do you think it is? Because I was I was recording during the first round of the playoffs, and by accident, Conrad, I'm not even kidding. Like. Do you, do you ever feel like you're watching someone and you don't really have the facts in front of you, but you just feel like this is the case? And I just went down this like eight minute rabbit hole, dude, of I'm like, yo, I just remember Paul George constantly just disappearing in playoff games. Really? And then I pull up his like NBA reference. Dude, for every 36 point game he has, he has three of 18 seven points and there's a lot and you're talking about even even if you throw away those first two years in his career where like right. he was a young dude and like the paces at the at the time they still wanted to have like danny granger danny was still Granger's a thing team. you yeah. know what i mean so and they still had roy hibbert so yeah. that was at the at the time where like Dude, having a big was a was a big ass thing you gotta in, get him the ball exactly yeah. exactly so even if you throw that out it's like go back to his time with the thunder some rough games in the playoffs, right? Going back Joe to Ingles. his time with, uh, with 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 the Pacers too. Some games where he just like dis completely just disappears. What happened with him with the Clippers? It's like, yo, what is it? And you know, I he came out and he was like, hey man, you know, I was battling with some mental health stuff, and you know, as someone who's had his own issues, like I'm never gonna like critique an no. athlete from that perspective. But it is rather alarming, you know, and people. I I felt, and I'm curious to hear your response to this. I feel like there's certain athletes that build a sort of resume and cachet with you where I don't trip over the Chiefs losing to the Raiders because mm. they're 19 and one in their last 20 games and they've won a Super Bowl, right? So yeah. like, yeah, Mahomes had a bad game on his standards. I'm not going to hold a knife to his throw for that. But, like, when Josh Allen has a bad game, I'm like, ah, he sucks. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I feel that way is because Mahomes has proved it to me over and over and over again. Kawhi Leonard, bringing it back to the Clippers. Am I harsh? For, I, I didn't give no blame to Kawhi. 
No, that's why. A lot and of he struggled. Didn't give him he had flag. a bad. He had a bad last playoff run. You know, the last series against it the Nuggets. Bad. It was, it was bad. and especially Game Seven, completely yeah. no showed. But to me, it's like, am I being foul for blaming Paul George more than Kawhi? Like I saw Kawhi carry the Toronto Raptors to the championship. Right. I saw him be the focal point on an offense and a and, and a, I mean defense defensively too. He's tremendous, mm-hmm. being the focal point of a. Tim Duck- Duncan baton passing Spurs team. Yeah, yeah. So, like, to me, bro, like, I cut slack to athletes. I think the most ridiculous criticism, I think, in sports is, like, people still hold the Mavericks series against LeBron. Yeah. It's like, bro, if, if LeBron James has a chapter, if he has a book in his career, and he's 100 chapters in, right, the one bad chapter is the Mavericks series? Nine years ago, bro. Nine years ago. So, I'm supposed to, like fault him for that like I, I get it but it's like bro everything else he's done has been fucking tremendous mm-hmm. if anything that woke him up dude i don't know what it is i don't know what it is about paul george and and i don't know if anybody does i'll say i'll say the one thing that i do feel like i know of is that it doesn't help you when you're when you're disingenuous and i don't know if he does this because of you know certain mental health issues that he's brought up or you know as we we somewhat touched on that insecurities drives a lot of what people's behaviors are because you're masking certain stuff and i bring that up about paul george because damian Lillard hits that shot in his grill two years ago with the thunder right paul george in the press conference that's a bad shot i don't i don't care what anybody says it's like bro give him his props say like one sentence and move on. But the fact that you're acting indignant about it or like like kind of shading him, bring it back to this year. It's even worse. This is literally the next year. And him and Patrick Beverly are on the sideline making fun of Lillard for missing a couple couple free throws. And it's like, bro, y'all are acting like you won the championship last year. You as an ex- as, as an organization have never even made a conference finals. Mm-hmm. And so he did that. And then... There, and then whatever they lose the Nuggets, and there were those reports that that after the uh, after Game Seven loss, Paul George is in the locker room like, like, you know, we'll run it back. Like we have to, we have to be more, we have to be more locked in, and that and that other players in the locker room are turning their heads like, is this cat serious? Like because it's like, dude, read the room, read the room, be be genuine. You know, take fault for what you messed up on. Another thing they said about the Clippers is that they were load managing Kawhi and Paul George during the season. And so what? Paul, Paul George is coming off a shoulder injury. That's fine. And this isn't necessarily his fault as much as it is Doc's and the training staff. But like, but like man, like you said before, Kawhi earned that. So they're looking at it like, all right, Kawhi, like he just won the chip last year. So the load managing works. But why is Paul George getting preferential treatment to me? He's a better player, but does he work harder than me? So it's just like Paul George doesn't do himself any favors with the stuff he says in the media and just I don't know him, so it's tough to say necessarily that he is being disingenuous, but man, like stand on your shit, give props where it's due, and and don't talk shit when you haven't gotten to the top of the pyramid, right? Do you do you agree? Nah, man. Of course, they go. It goes back to my Mahomes thing. It's not good juju to do that. Yeah, dude. Think about like 
a guy like Pat Mahomes, right? I, I already think Conrad, he's the best quarterback of all time. You're right. Not most accomplished. Not most accomplished. Yeah. Thank you. Because I think that's very important. Like right. the most accomplished quarterback of all time is, is Brady. And that's going to be hard to duplicate. Mm-hmm. But it's possible with Mahomes. So. Listen, man, they're, they're one yard away from going to the Super Bowl in 2018. Right. That dude lines up off sides. They pick off the pass. You're potentially looking at a three-peat scenario right yeah. now. Because they were the best team that year. In 2018. Yeah, right. They right. were they were the top seed. New England had to go into Kansas City to play them. Right. And that was not a good New England team because they struggled right. that, that year as well. And then last year, and they do what they did. The Rams. Yeah, last year, they do what they did. And, I mean, this year, like, I was saying it. I said it last week. I think when you're looking at the NFL, it's the Chiefs, and then it's everyone else. And I know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm already like, dude, I'm so confident that I, I picked them to go back to the Super Bowl. And I had them playing the Saints from the beginning of the year. That looks a lot better now than it did three weeks ago. It's currently the Vegas favorite for that to be the matchup. Like really? there's there's a there's a, a proposition that Super Bowl matchup prop. Who's gonna face who in the Super Bowl? Right now, the favorite is Saints and and the Kansas City Chiefs. The the Chiefs like I know this is crazy, but I'm already printing a banner. Dude, what Mahomes does on a weekly basis is how it would look like if you were a senior and you were 18 years old and you were playing eighth graders. He's doing that to professional athletes. He's doing that in his third full season as a starter. He's doing that down, down 17, down 10. Like, it's easy for you to be the man and your shit don't stink when you're up 30. Like, yeah, I could... I could do no-look passes. It's like, nah, bro, this guy is doing it. They're down 24, and he's mm-hmm. just airing it out. And I think the best part about him, and, I mean, we, we just did this episode where it was like, who are your favorite players in the NFL to watch? Not necessarily means, like, they're the best. Yeah. But just, like, the eye test. Like, dudes just – and, like, my buddy Taryn was like, bro, we can't pick Mahomes because Mahomes is the answer. So, like, yeah. you know, I said Kyler Murray. But, like, dude, going back to Mahomes, man, that guy is – you know, 25 touchdowns, one interception, and no one's no one's talking about him for MVP. It's Russ, it's yeah. Kyler, because I what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen to Mahomes is the same shit that's happened to LeBron. LeBron has been the best player in the league for 15 plus years. Like no matter what, it's been 15 plus mm-hmm. years. And it's like we want it to be someone else. It's gonna get exactly. it's gonna get it's it, happened to Jordan too. Yeah, it's the LeBron fatigue. That's gonna happen to Mahomes. It's like we want to give it to Russ. Oh my God, he's never received an MVP vote, right? Like that's right. been the big talking point. So for me, it's 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 Kansas City and everyone else. Yeah, and I didn't follow, I didn't I didn't read much up on the draft before the draft that he was chosen in, right? And Deshaun and, and Mitchell Trubisky both went ahead of him. But dude, it's even crazy to think about the fact that people didn't expect this. Well, him coming out, he was a little bit of a project. There was still the negative stigma of the Big 12, the conference that he's from, because that's like Baylor, TCU, Texas, Oklahoma. It's It was known for a long time as the video game conference, right? Like it's, it's a conference where 60 to 57, 42, 45 after the third quarter. And you would see guys like Bryce Petty coming into the league from Baylor and even RG3. You know, RG3, he got hurt, so I don't want to be too critical of him. Yeah, he had a, he had a good year. But you're looking at it, and it's like, well, how good is this guy? Because this, this 
system that he's in with Kingsbury. Like, yo, let's not forget Kingsbury is a hell of a coach, especially what he's doing with with uh, Kyler Murray right now. And I think Kingsbury, what he's done with Arizona is he's laid down the blueprint for what teams like the Jets are gonna do. Where, yo, no one, no one talks about Josh Rosen being a top ten pick because no one cares once you find your quarterback. They don't care. They don't care. Dolphins moved off him quick when they yeah, get to man. Him. Once you get Tua, and then when you're you're the Cardinals and you get a new head coach, and there was that video that surfaced. I don't know if you had seen it of Kingsbury when he was back at Texas Tech. He was still the coach before he became the Cardinals head right. coach. He was like, yo, I would make Kyler Murray the number one pick. And then fast forward, he gets the Cardinals job. Then they have the number one pick. And they're like, yo, what about Rosen? You took him 10th overall. It's like, yo, I saw Rosen. Fuck it. I want want Murray, you know? So going back to Mahomes and him coming out, he was a bit of a project, a a bit of uncertainty where it's like, all right, his numbers are dope because of the conference he's playing in. And... Look, he went to a great situation. Let's let's be honest. Like you go to a team like Kansas City, where the year before they went to the divisional mm-hmm. round in the playoffs, he inherits a lot of weapons. Like it's mutually beneficial, though. Yeah, because Andy Reid had never gotten over the hump. Andy Reid never got o- over the hump. He's turned every quarterback into a better quarterback, and now he actually has the best guy yeah. to pull the strings for him. It's 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 heartwarming to see. Honestly, I don't know how much time we have, but. I want to know what you think about Tua before we uh, sign off. It's can we wait? Yeah, like that's a good answer. After after his first game where he threw what seventeen passes, and I might be giving him too much credit. It's like, well, you know, Miami, my draft. It's like, bro, let's let's chill. You know, I blame I blame the twenty twelve class, Russell Wilson, Tannehill, RG three. Andrew Luck, Brandon Whedon even. Those guys came into the league week one. They're starters. Mm. Now, if you draft a guy in the first round and he doesn't play his first year, unless there's a situation like Mahomes and the Chiefs, where it's like, all right, look, I got I got Alex Smith. He knows that after this year, it's going to be Mahomes. And we'll see Mahomes in like a throwaway game like they did week 17. Because yeah. we got to see what we got. Now it's like, well... He's not starting by week three. We need to get a new quarterback. It's right. like, yo, could we just wait? That's my honest assessment of him. That's good. He was the consensus number one quarterback before he got hurt. Right. So, like, now he's not hurt. I mean, the way he was running, he doesn't show me no. he's hurt. So- he's he's unique because he's a left-handed mm-hmm. quarterback. He's got the intangibles, too, though, right? And what... what- what Brian Flores is building, I mean. Yeah. You know, there there's two teams, Conrad, that I think you should keep an eye on over the next five years. One is Miami. The other one's Carolina. Mm, what makes you say that? Matt Rule came in. Again, another Big 12 guy. Comes in. They gave him the keys to the kingdom. They told him, like, hey, man, look, we're not expecting the playoffs year one. We We understand we might win four games, but that's okay. They've been very competitive. Yeah, they've been very competitive. They've found a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater who will not cost you games. Mm-hmm. He doesn't turn the ball over. In uh, in the betting community, he's called Teddy Covers because he's covered like – he's like 33-11 and 11 against the spread, which is like insane, bro. Yeah. Dude, if you could tell me right now, like, yo, Nick, you're going 33-11 and 11 the rest of the year from week nine on. I'd be like, yo, Conrad, let's take out a loan and let's make some bets. Yeah. Legit. 33 and 11, dude? You're talking about like... Times three. 
Yeah. That's like 67, 68% of the games you're covering. That's insane. Especially when I tell you a little bit ago how like 55% is what you strive for yeah. as a professional better. So I think those two teams, because both the organizations are patient with them, they're, they're, there's a plan, right? Like mm. I'm, a, I'm a fan of like the one criticism I have about the Knicks, and I talk about the Knicks because like that's the team that I root for. But when you're signing free agents to be competitive and you're trying to rebuild, like that don't make sense to me, bro. No. Completely tank it. Like Miami was like, yo, look, we're going to get rid of Minka Fitzpatrick, even though he's a hell of a player. Yeah. We're going to get some draft picks. We're going to get draft picks for Laramie Tunsil, even though he's probably a and top they, five they, to six. And the Texans aren't good this year, so they may get a top eight pick, right? Exactly. Exactly. So you're looking at it like, listen, man, it's – it's a scenario where you got to be patient with these organizations. And maybe it's a thing where like New York is just impatient, like as a city. It is impatient. It is. Yeah, for sure. You know, I always tell people that are out, not from New York, that visit New York. I'm like, yo, New Yorkers aren't mean. They're just in a hurry. Like, all right, come on, man. Fuck. Like it's the sign is to walk. Let's go. You know what I mean? So I think with Tua to bring it full circle as we wind up, I think it's, let's wait, man. He's played two games. Yeah. He's played two games. You know, I remember last year I was ready to get Daniel Jones tattooed on my shoulders. And now it's like, fuck, this guy has a turnover in all but one game in his professional career. That's that is crazy. He's won five games in the NFL. Yeah. I I was I was writing about him the other day, actually. What is he like five and his only win is against Tampa Bay and then four against Washington. Washington, yeah. That's, That's crazy. I understand beating your division, but like, bro, beat someone else too, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Yeah, the rest, so, not like the rest of the division yeah, too good either. Yeah. So for me, man, when, when I look at when I look at Tua, I do think that this class is very intriguing for the long term. Tua, Burrow, and Herbert, all in the AFC, all guys who you look at the AFC, bro. The NFC sort of is like in a crossroads where like. They have some older heads, Breeze, Brady, Rodgers. Like Russell, Russell Wilson's like 32. He'll be 33 next year, right? But like he's already said like I want to play till I'm 45. And like the way, you know, he spends over – I read an article that Culture Hub did Mm -hmm. as well about like, you know, he spends over a million dollars on his body. It's like, yeah, bro, he should. You should as an athlete because that's your asset. You're betting on yourself. Yeah, Yeah, of course. You should have the best treatment. He's like – I was listening to him in, uh, on, I believe he was Bill Simmons. He's like, it's better for me to tell you what days I'm not getting treatment as opposed to how many days I do get treatment. Wow. He's like, it was like Christmas and Thanksgiving were the only two days last year I didn't get treatment. So with Tua, Herbert, Burrow, they all look the part. They're all on relatively bad teams and upstart teams. Yeah. Like, yo, the Chargers, fuck, has any team lost them in Atlanta? Like, if them two were to play, they'd be like, all right, no, you fuck it up. No, yeah, I fuck right. it up. No, you fuck it up. So I think with Tua, man, I, I like Tua. Uh, the, the idea of he's a left-handed quarterback, like, that never – I never understood that. I get it because, like, the ball comes in different. So, like, when you're, when you're a right-handed quarterback, the ball comes in this way for a receiver. So it's right. a more familiar and comfortable, right. like, the way the laces spin. I don't think it's that crazy of an adjustment. You still got to catch. Mm-hmm. 
the right tackle is now more important than the left tackle. That's why the left tackle is so important for a team when you have a right-handed quarterback. Obviously, it's your blind side. It just everything just tends to flip-flop when right. you do it on an offense. Now, where it gets tricky is if you know, knock on wood, he gets hurt, and then the backup comes in and he's a righty. Then it's like that's where it could get a little like strange. Yeah, but you can't plan for you can't, an man, and you shouldn't. You shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. You should never. There are guys that are injury prone, but they're just sometimes or guys just have some unfortunate injuries, and that's just what it is. So to wrap it up with Tua, I'd be very excited if I was a Dolphins fan. I think what Flores is doing is tremendous. I think he's the coach of the year this year through through the halfway point. And I just like what they're doing because they have a plan. They have a plan. We're building from within. We're getting People that I trust from other organizations and I've seen like the two signings that he brought in, you know, Van Noy had him in New England, knew him. That was the quarterback of his defense. And then Byron Jones was the best corner available in free agency. So I like I like what they're doing down there. So with Tua, it's it's wait and see. Let's let's give someone more than four games. True. If I could if I could tie it in just before we head out into um into one more thing that we've talked about. It's the plan. It's the same with the NBA. For how different the two sports are, like there's these teams in the NBA that just don't have a plan. And we talked about how the Celtics are able to rebuild. It's because they have a plan and they understand. They're just, they're just run well. And it's like the Timberwolves might, might swing for the fences when they should be compiling assets to get another star, such as Devin Booker, to get another young star. Instead of, if, excuse me, instead of if they got like Lamelo, and then you've got a logjam of Lamelo and Russell, but both can't really defend, both kind of play a similar style. It's just, it's just you see these 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 bad teams continue to falter, and and that's the reason for it. Have I ever told you my Atlanta Hawks theory? No. Oh, I mean that's. That's the worst situation to be in, being the Atlanta Hawks. Like, when I think of the Atlanta Hawks, I think maybe not now because they do have some, but like growing up in like the early 2010s to like, you know, the Joe Johnson, they had that one outlier year when they became the one seed. But like, the running joke with my friends is like, either be good and win a championship or suck. Don't be the Hawks, where you're a six or four seed and You'll win a first round of the playoffs, and then you'll get bounced. Don't yeah. be, don't be Alex Smith. Yeah, they never, they never had a, a superstar. You knew what your ceiling was, though. Yeah. You just know. So it's like you're gonna be stuck in no man's land where you're not good enough to win a title. So your draft pick is gonna suck because you're gonna be in the, you know, thirteen to twenty range. Yeah. Or suck and get some get a generational superstar, which they could have had in Doncic. And even as saying that, I do think Trey Young is underrated. I mean, this guy had put up like 30 and 9 last year. He was second in assists. And just because they were a bad team, people hold it against him. Good player on a bad team. We talked about it with Devin Booker. I mean, Trey Young's in his second season, second in assists, like top five in points scored. And people are holding it against him that three of the starters are in their first or second years with him. So, Well, I think it's... The the knock on him moving forward is always going to be because he was in the same class with Luca, and because them two Traded are always going to be 
them two are always going to be synonymous with one another. Most and that's definitely. just, it's unfortunate for Young because, again, like, no matter how good he can be, it's always going to be like, well, you're not Luca. Exactly. And how do you pass up on Luca? So that's just kind of where Trey Young is. And there's a lot of athletes like that, too. What, what Trey Young needs, and I think a large difference, even with how good CJ McCollum is, the Warriors were so successful before Durant even. Because Klay Thompson can lock up positions one through three, and Steph Curry can work and do his thing on offense. And so CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are both not good defenders. They had a very successful year when they had Aminu and Harkless at the three and the four to guard the other team's best players. But man, Trey Young needs a lockdown two or three because if if you can't defend, and Steph Curry's a better defender than Trey Young is just off his height and and size alone, but if you can't defend, it's going to be very difficult if your running mate is not a stellar defender, which Clay Thompson is. Conrad, my brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for uh, kicking it with us. I really enjoyed the conversation. Where can they find you? The floor is yours. You got anything to any new article coming up? Anything that just dropped? Where can they read your stuff? Tell them. Yeah, man. First off, thanks for having me, man. I could feel like I could go off for hours. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me yeah, too. Man. Uh, man, follow me, um, con, C-O-N underscore H9, or just, you know, go culturehub.com. You'll, you'll, see my, you'll see my name up on there. I mentioned the, um, the style and, you know, altruistic article I wrote this week. Besides that, you know, there's stuff in the works, but hopefully y'all can... Um, can give me a follow on the gram, Twitter, or just hit up culturehub.com and you'll see what's cooking up from there. Before we go, big ups to the members of the Patreon, Derek Pleiates, Corey Johnson Hoops, Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Ryan Pisner, and my guy Daniel Gibson. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. You think you got it, I got it for real. You think you got what I got? This one for those they forget in my city. This dog off the leash and it's ready to kill. Homie, go finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nikki too ill. Can't let a drop of me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.